Happy Thursday, everybody, and welcome in to Bet to Win here in the Blue Wire Studios at the Win Las Vegas. I am your host, Joe Fan. What a weekend we have on tap. Father's Day weekend being treated to a good one. When we're talking sports, the U.S. Open started this morning. Uh, a tremendous, if you're looking to do nothing this weekend, sit back, relax, enjoy the U.S. Open. Also, NBA Finals Game 6 Thursday night, Game 7 Sunday, if need be. I sure hope so. Me and my Celtics future. Uh, hanging by a thread right now after that Game 5 loss on Tuesday or Monday night uh, in San Francisco. Also, the Stanley Cup Finals underway. We're going to touch on all of it. We've got Cam Rogers on to talk U.S. Open and just the state of golf in general. Love having him on. He's my favorite guy to talk golf with, uh, and he's going to come back on in a moment. But first, I have another L to hold. That's two in a row now, and we're looking to avoid a losing streak. Now, my winning pick, I'm going to tell you to tease it a little bit. I, I was a little bit bold. So there's a there's a decent shot the losing streak is coming. But a good captain never abandons his ship. More on that in a minute. But I took the Celtics money line at plus 145 against the Warriors. My thought process was correct. That if you like the Celtics to cover, just take them to win the game. Because the spreads have been irrelevant in this series. And for most of the playoffs... Just pick a winner. And the Celtics up five in the third quarter. I'm thinking they are the better team. They're showing it. They got over what was an egregiously ugly first half of missing free throws. Couldn't make a three. Turnovers. They had 18 more of those in this game. And then it all started to unravel with the Jordan Poole buzzer beater at the end of the third quarter. Uh, put the Warriors up one going into the fourth. They never looked back. Uh, 104-94, the final. Again, the Warriors cover that four-point spread. They now lead the series 3-2. to two. 18 turnovers to just six for the Warriors. Celtics missed 10 free throws. 21 of 31. They wasted a dud from Steph Curry. Just 16 points, four rebounds, eight assists, zero threes. 0 for 9 from three. Andrew Wiggins continues to carry this Warriors team on both ends. He deserves his flowers across the board for what he's doing defensively, particularly against Jason Tatum. But also, especially early on this series, you saw how much of a factor the size was for Boston against the Warriors, where the Warriors struggled to get defensive rebounds. And Andrew Wiggins has been so clutch. Sets a career high in rebounds in game four uh, and then posts 13, 26, 13, and two in game five. And good for him. First overall pick. A lot of people thought he was a bust in Minnesota. Gets to go to Golden State. And what a beautiful spot for him to be. It doesn't feel like he necessarily wants, and I want to speak for him, but it does feel like he's thriving in this role where he doesn't have to be the face of the franchise. He can just go hoop. And the pressure is so minimal because people are going to want to talk about what Steph's doing. Is Clay right? Draymond has been a disaster until he showed up in game five. Meanwhile, Andrew Wiggins can just go hoop. Sort of an afterthought, even though an all-talented, all-world talented player. And man, he has been so good in these posts, uh, these playoffs, particularly in games four and five of these finals. Again, carrying the Warriors with 26-13-2. Game six. Tonight, Thursday evening, in Boston at the TD Garden. We 
with Game 7, hopefully taking place on Sunday back at the Chase Center in San Francisco. Uh, Warriors are uh, four-point dogs in this one. Uh, the total set at 210. A couple of props for you, Steph Curry. Uh, give you just the points props. 28.5 for Steph, 27.5 for Jason Tatum, 23.5 for Jalen Brown, Clay Thompson, 20.5, Andrew Wiggins, 17.5, and, and Marcus Smart, 15.5. Jason Tatum's got to come up big in the fourth quarter at some point in one of these games. And I was expecting the big game in game five, and he, he, he delivered. His third quarter was absolutely lights out. But in the fourth quarter of these finals, he's just five of 21 from the field, under 24%. He's got 95 turnovers in these playoffs, most ever by one player in a single postseason. Jalen Brown's also frustrating. What, what drives me nuts is I'm, I'm convinced that Boston is the better team. But they get soft in big moments. They complain at the refs. They don't rise to the occasion, and they just fold. Jalen Brown, I don't know if I've ever seen a player who's so good and a scorer who's so talented who can fill it up with the best of them, but seemingly can't dribble. He's a turnover machine so regularly. I don't know. Hoping for better luck in game six again tonight against uh, the Warriors back in Boston. Stanley Cup Finals real quick. Game one in the books on Wednesday night. The Avs edge out the Lightning. 4-3 was the final. The Avs were huge favorites. They get out to the big 2-0 lead in the first period. The Lightning storm all the way back. A couple of quick second period goals. Tied at three. A scoreless third period leads to overtime. And it's Andre Burakovsky with the game-winning goal a minute 23 into OT. The Avs take the 1-0 lead. I love the electricity of playoff hockey and this Stanley Cup Finals. Off to a great start. Again, you have uh, the juggernaut of the Avs, but the reigning champs with the Lightning, who are going for a 12th straight series win, which would be a third straight Stanley Cup. Game two odds, Avs at minus 155, uh, with the Lightning at plus 135. The total set at six. The series odds are at the Avs minus 270, with the Lightning at plus 220. Let's talk some golf and bring in Cam Rogers. Lots to discuss, not just with the U.S. Open, but the state of golf as a whole. He is a national betting and golf analyst for Lock It In and the host, sorry, of Lock It In on the Believe Network. Follow him on Twitter at MrRogers99. We'll get to the U.S. Open, but we've got to start with just the state of the game and the Live Tour, one tournament in the books. What have you made over this last month? Because it's crazy how it's gone from an idea, the players jumping ship, to now they already have an event under their belt. Yeah, absolutely. And hey, Joe, great to be with you as always. Listen, I think surreal, fascinating unworldly would be the best way to describe what's going on right now in the world of golf. I mean, a lot of people saw this live tour as a punchline. Nobody really took it seriously. It was run by Greg Norman, backed by the Saudi government. Oh, this isn't going to be a threat to the PGA tour. And then all of a sudden we have Phil Mickelson cashing out $200 million guaranteed. He heads over to live Sergio Garcia, Dustin Johnson, Patrick Reed, Bryson DeChambeau, these guys are major champions heading on over here. And reportedly, Joe, I'll give you some insight. We could get news of two more defections on Monday as far as going to the Live Tour, one of them being a top 16 world-ranked player. So this is a big deal right now. And honestly, it's really interesting that we're sort of in this dichotomy right now where you have one side, the loyalists, if you will, and maybe the side that goes with morals. And then there's the other side that goes for the paycheck, goes for the wallet, if you will. 
and financial stability. And of course, you're getting criticism on both sides of it. I sort of view this from a 36,000 foot perspective. And I understand both sides. I understand Phil, who wants $200 million guaranteed. Who doesn't? But I also understand Rory and John Rahm, who want to play with the best of the best. It's a wild story. It is. I think it's easy to say, well, this is a nothing burger. The tour is not really going to miss Phil. I watched a lot of the event. It, the broadcast was tremendously done. and Arlo White's on it, and it was, it was really slick. And I, I, I don't mind the whole concept, the team concept. It's very unique and it's different enough to where you say, okay, you have my attention. But outside of a mostly washed up DJ, Phil, who is well past his prime, Bryson, who can't seem to get healthy. Um, you know, his odds are astronomical for the US Open this weekend. And maybe he finds to me he's the biggest name who has gone. Everything else mm-hmm. is it's fringe, you know, amateurs who I mean, what was it? Brooks Kepka's brother made a million dollars last week or whatever, two weeks ago. And so as it stands right now, it's a nothing burger, but the money is impossible to ignore because when you have tour players who are coming out anonymously and saying, I have missed a couple cuts in a row losing money because the, the PGA tour doesn't pay us anything. There's no living expenses, travel expenses where the last place golfer made 125 grand I don't know if that's sustainable, but I imagine that the pockets in the Saudi government are endless. Then, okay, why wouldn't every guy on tour who is, they show up just hoping they make a cut as opposed to, hey, I want to finish top 20 or top 10. Of course, they're going to think about jumping ship to the live tour. Yeah, absolutely. It's all about priorities, right? Of course, it's easy for Rory and Rom to say, no, I'm staying because of course, they are the elite of the elite on the PGA Tour. They're winning on the PGA Tour. Like, of course you're going to stay. But somebody like a Chase Kepka, who hasn't had a lot of success on the PGA Tour, he just goes over to the Live Tour and cashes out. And by the way, he can still play in the majors for now, which is a very attractive situation for a lot of guys. Maybe we'll see more defections because of that if the four governing bodies of these majors allow for these Live golfers to play in them. And so, again, it goes back to this. Legacy, difficulty, and money, and financial stability. And other thing too here, Joe, to your point about living expenses and what have you, these PGA Tour players are independent contractors, okay? So they're not getting the full-on benefits and what have you, right? So it's not like being in the NFL or the MLB. This is a different sort of situation. On the Live Tour, you're taken care of. And from what I understand... Even the media is pampered through the roof in terms of food and living and what have you for every single event. The runway is infinite in terms of money for this Live Golf Tour. Now, the broadcast was pretty solid to your point as well. I enjoyed it. Uh, I think the viewership was the viewership that it was because of the curiosity factor. Let's see how it goes going forward with these next seven events, right? By the way, some of these events are going to be in the fall. So not only is Liv going up against the PGA Tour, but they're going up against the Shield, if you will, the NFL. So we'll see how viewership goes there. Sustainability is my big question mark with this Liv Tour. Can there be a positive that comes out of this because it puts pressure on the PGA Tour to adjust in terms of what guys are getting paid? If, you're, if you qualify for a tournament, I do agree. You should know you're walking away with something. You shouldn't be on tour and losing money, period. 
that's not how any other sport works. And I understand the philosophy of being an independent contractor, but is that a possibility? Because at some point, the money that the Live Tour is throwing around, I would imagine has to make the PGA think twice about how they operate. 100%. And hopefully that is the takeaway here for Jay Monahan and his inner circle over at the PGA Tour. What can we do now to fix the tour and retain the talent that we have? Because if Jay Monahan only just finger wags and does interviews and says, oh, it's no big deal. You don't have to apologize when you play on the PGA Tour. That's not the way to go. The way to go is to find ways in which to generate more fans in the game of golf, generate more viewership on these telecasts, which of course in turn means better ad revenue, better TV packages, bigger purses for these tour events, and then of course more money in these tour players' pockets. So everybody should be in on this here, and especially Jay Monahan, the commissioner of the PGA Tour. So Joe, random examples here. Miking up the players, right? Changing the format of these tournaments. Heck, doing a bet simulcast during these broadcasts so people can tune in, check out the lives, live odds and what have you. You know, getting younger on these broadcasts as well, I think would be a great way to generate new wave of fans, if you will. So there are so many different avenues to go here. And so I really do hope that Jay Monahan goes on the offensive, tries to improve the PGA Tour, because if not... Listen, Greg Norman and this tour is going to continue to cherry pick players away. And to my point earlier, you're going to get two other defections pretty darn soon. So Jay Monahan better do something quite quickly to get on the offensive here. Two more questions on this topic. One lighthearted, one less so. The whole concept, the three days, the no cut, the team aspect of it, there's a captain, there's, there's different ways to win. I'm in on all of that because it, is, it does, offers you a slightly different product than what you're getting with the PGA Tour. But for mm -hmm. all the money being thrown into this tour, we couldn't have come up with better logos and team names because they are heinous. And I, I say that half joking, but you could go to look at any minor league baseball team in the country and they all have better names and logos. It looks like they were done on Microsoft Paint from about in about four minutes. It's bad. <laughs> It's not good. Yeah, I think the marketing department needs an upgrade in terms of what we have right now with the logos and all that good stuff. Also, like the social media posts at first, like the promotional videos were not that great either. So listen, it's a brand new tour. I think they're learning as they go. But that was certainly a punchline that was deserved in terms of these logos and what have you. We'll see what happens going forward if they improve upon those things. I don't think they'll change them this year but they'll maybe change them next year. The names are kind of weird too. Like I don't really understand a lot of them. And so yeah. I think they got a little too cute for their own good, Joe. So I'm with you on that. Uh, more seriously, Bob Costas made headlines saying that Phil Mickelson took blood money, which means every team or every, not every, not every team, but every player who has gone to this tour has taken blood money. I think it brings up a really interesting conversation of the morality of it. And I'm just curious for you, however you want to go with this, what do you think? And it's a very hard conversation because who, maybe Phil and DJ is different because they've made their money, but for guys who are really struggling to make a living, who can then go make money that would set their family up for life. I can't say I wouldn't make that same decision. So I guess I, I, I just leave it to you and I want to ask it open-ended of what do you think the responsibility, responsibility is from a moral standpoint? 
for these players when they when considering whether or not to make this jump? Listen, I've gotten asked this a lot, and I've been very vocal about this. I am taking a to-each-his-own approach to all of this. If you want to go cash out for $200 million guaranteed, go do it. I think people who are finger-wagging Phil Mickelson and getting mad about it is just a waste of energy. Like, why get mad about something like that? How does it affect you, number one? And number two, Phil's going to take the money whether you are mad about it or not. So why not just focus on other things in life? And honestly, Joe, I had the same mindset when Colin Kaepernick took a knee during the national anthem. Why do you care? If you want to stand, go stand. Let the guy kneel if he wants to kneel. Like, just everybody live and let live here. And so I understand the perspective of Rory and Ram as well. You want to stay on tour and play with the best of the best? Go do that. But don't get mad at, say, Chase Kepka, who hasn't had much success on the PGA Tour, and to your point, wants to make a living and set up his family for life here, and um, where it's no real effect on you in particular. Maybe it has an effect on the PGA Tour at some point. Who knows? But... That is all to say, I totally understand both positions. And by the way, with Phil, the guy lost a million dollars in gambling. Like, of course, he's going to take the $200 million to pay off some debts, number one. And number two, you know, I found his press conference to be pretty disappointing on Monday. He seemed ashamed, unprepared, awkward at times. And it's like, Phil, you were in the dark for four months. Did you not huddle up with your PR team to like figure out a way in which to answer these questions? Because you knew he was going to get asked those questions. Um, and so, listen, if you want to go out and cash out, go for it. But what sort of annoys me, Joe, is when you have golf media out there getting mad about that when you've never been in that position. I don't think anybody in golf media has had a $200 million guaranteed check placed in front of them to go play golf. You know, so it's just hard to put yourself in that arena and through that scenario. So that's sort of how I feel about it. Yeah, I think my take real quickly is that I understand the moral dilemma here. I also just have a hard time unequivocally saying, hey, you should be ashamed of yourself. You took blood money because unless I was in a position to say no. And then mm-hmm. but like, right. I can't tell you I wouldn't take that money, even even though I know like there's a lot of dirt and blood behind this money. Like it isn't good, but at the same time, it's just, it's so much more complicated than that. And maybe that's a cop out on my part, but um, yeah, I it's agree. I, I agree. The, the finger wagging is, is tough when you're not in that situation to make the same decision, because I think it's easier to, to make the decision for other people when you aren't then faced with that same crossroads. Um, let's talk right. about the U S open 122nd U S open which has already begun at the time of this recording at the Country Club in Brookline, Mass. Um, it's already been fun to watch so far. We've seen Rory almost break a wedge um, as he was in this just awful fescue above a bunker. The course seems like it sets up to be, if you can go minus eight, minus nine over the weekend, you're going to have a really good chance to win. Um, it's a long weekend. What, what do you make of this tournament in particular, the location, the course, uh, and maybe uh, some tickets you have uh, as you're going to watch throughout the weekend. Yeah, really excited about this tournament, obviously, the U.S. Open, but particularly at the Country Club. I'm some 45 minutes south of the Country Club here in Plymouth, Massachusetts. Very historic in its own right, of course. And so, listen, I think this is going to be a different test than years past. You look at the golf courses the past few years, Torrey Pines, Winged Foot, Shinnecock. These are big ballparks, right? 
The country club is a par 70, 7,200 yards. So it's really about target golf, artistry, creativity around this track. Lots of uneven lies, blind approach shots, odd angles, kind of a rugged setup, New England setup, if you will. And so I think this is going to be a different test than the U.S. Opens that we've seen the last five or so years. By the way, the second smallest greens in major championship history. So the way in which I'm seeing this tournament sort of play out is that everybody's going to miss greens. So if everybody's going to miss greens, everybody's in the same bucket trying to save themselves for par. So if this turns into a scramble fest of sorts, right, a wedge game, that spells good news for the likes of Rory McIlroy and John Rahm, who's getting better, Tony Finau. These guys are great with their wedges right now. And also the shorter hitters have a legitimate shot here this week too. So it's going to be a really fun test. Any tickets you have uh, that you're going to be monitoring throughout the weekend? What best do you I've got Xander Shoffley. Okay. Yeah. I got Xander Shoffley outright. He's built for U.S. Opens, five top tens and five U.S. Open appearances. And I think he's simply set up perfectly for the country club here this week. Top 10 in bogey avoidance as well. Sunjay M for a top 10 overall this week in terms of finishing position. He's number one in scrambling, number two in bogey avoidance. Keep an eye on Sunjay here this week. And same with Will Zalatoris, who is simply as well, built for major championships, runner-up at the Masters in 21. Of course, he was runner-up at the PGA this year as well. Hits a million greens. If he can find that putter a little bit, he should be good here this week. So Xander, Sanjay M, Will Zalatoris, keep an eye on those guys. I'm curious, in the short odds guys, no surprise, Justin Thomas at 9-1, to Rom, Rory, and Scotty Scheffler at 12-1, to Xander just behind at 15-1, to all pre-flop before the tournament. And you have guys like Will Zalatoris, who's been in good form. Almost won the PGA. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cantlay, who hasn't been in as, as good a form at 24. Colin Morikawa all the way down at 30 to 1. Uh, what's the deal with the long odds on Colin and, and Zalatoris, relatively speaking, for their talent level? Yeah, I don't really understand the Will Zalatoris number. I'm curious to know what the logic is behind that one, but I sort of understand the Colin Morikawa fade here this week. From an industry perspective, nobody was really talking about him. I wasn't talking about him, at least in a good way. I didn't really give him a chance to contend here this week, solely because of the way in which I see this tournament going through, right? So if everybody's missing their greens, Colin Morikawa cannot save himself with his short game. It's one of the worst here in this U.S. Open field. Applied that same logic, by the way, to Victor Hovland. He's good with ball striking, but it hasn't been as good lately, and he can't lean on that short game, if you will, to scramble around this golf course. So, you know, no indictment on either of those two guys. They're fantastic. They're wonderful. And I like Morikawa a lot at the Open Championship at St. Andrews. But I just didn't think the country club was the best setup for them this week. Brooks Kepka has been a mess. Not a surprise to see him at 45 to 1. But you can get Bryson all the way down at 120 to 1. Does that speak to wow. uh, the, the belief that he's still not healthy? Or have people just jumped off the bandwagon altogether. He was one of the hottest names in golf for several years over the last, you know, last span of the last five years. Um, or is, is it, I guess, yeah, this is a very poorly and worded question, but is it, is it the injury or is it people have decided that he is no longer one of the top players on tour? Yeah, three things. Number one, the injury, of course, and that has led to some really poor performances here in 2022. He actually rushed back, I think, a little too early and then he, 
re-aggravated his bone bruise in his wrist, right? So who knows if he's 100%. He may say he is, but he could be 85, 90%, something along those lines. Number two, he's one of the live tour golfers now, right? So you're dealing with those distractions, the media questions, what have you. So I wonder about that from a handicapping perspective with a lot of these live tour golfers who are getting that added element of distraction. And then point number three, listen, the country club is not a good setup for Bryson DeChambeau and this bomb and gouge sort of mentality. Yes, that worked at winged foot because what he did was crush the ball 340 into the rough and then just went bump and run into the greens. Well, you can't go low here on this golf course. You got to go high because all of these greens are guarded by bunkering, right? So if you're in the really thick, luscious rough, you can't go high out of the rough. You got to be in the fairway. So I think those three points are a big reason why Bryson was not heavily regarded as a contender here this week. And then Brooks, the play is bad. He was all like bristly during his press conference this week. I think he's headed to live, to be honest with you. His brother is already there, as we talked about. And so, you know, there's that added distraction for him. And, you know, the ball striking has been bad. Typically, he's a blind bet. Like if he's 40 or 35 at a major championship, blind bet Brooks Kepka. But there's just no reason to because there's like zero reason for him whatsoever. The PGA Championship, we saw Mito Pereira come out of nowhere and almost win it. If not for an errant tee shot on 18, he probably does win it. Give me a, a name uh, that, you know, when I sit on the couch and do nothing all weekend but watch this tournament, somebody that you have an, your eye on that, that might be a dark horse to just hang around all four days and, and, and kick it on Sunday. Well, he's on my notes, all right? So I promise you I'm not cheating just because he's playing well currently in this first round. But Brian Harmon, top 25 in strokes gained total over the last 24 rounds. Despite not being long off the tee, he's had success at U.S. Opens. He was 19th last year. That was a big ballpark at Torrey Pines. And then he was runner-up back in 2017. This course should set up much better for Brian Harmon. He's a lefty, shorter hitter, but he can grind it out at a U.S. Open clearly. So I expect him to float around that leaderboard here coming into Sunday evening. He is Cam Rogers, national betting and golf analyst, the host of the Lock It In podcast on Believe Network. Follow him on Twitter at MrRogers99. Cam, I love chatting with you, man. Thank you so much for the insight. Really good conversation today. Looking forward to catching up again soon. Absolutely, Joe. Enjoy the tournament, my friend. Great stuff, per usual, from Cam Rogers. This is just early, early innings in terms of the PGA Tour, Live Tour feud. And I'm fascinated to see where golf is going. I ultimately think there can be a positive here if there are changes that the PGA is forced to make to make life better for everybody on tour. Again, this isn't about the Rory's and the JT's and the Xander's and the Cantlay's and the, the Colin Morikawa's and the John Rahm's. This is about the guys who are trying to make the cut week in and week out and, and paying for their own expenses when it comes to, to lodging and travel and food and all that. To grind, and they shouldn't have to be worrying about whether they're going to make any money for their profession. They should be able to show up and know they're going to get something. Uh, let's get to a promo. This is big because this could be your last chance to enter our party with DJ D uh, Diesel promo because you've got to bet $100 on NBA or a casino. So if you can't play, if you're not in a state that allows you to play in the mobile casino, you've got to bet $100 on NBA tonight, preferably the Celtics money line. All users can bet $100 on the NBA or casino to be entered into a prize drawing to attend 
a DJ Diesel performance. Shaq Diesel at the Encore Beach Club at night, right here uh, at the Wynn Resort Properties in Las Vegas. You'll also win a meet and greet with Shaq himself. Go to winbet.com or download the Winbet app for official rules and details. Winning pick time. I'm two and two. Just small, small. It's five one hundredths of a unit down so far in this month. So basically breaking even. And I've got good news because by the time I sit in this chair on Monday morning, I'm going to be up three units plus 310. You know what that is? That's the Celtics series line. And I said at the top of the show, any good captain goes down with the ship and I'm not jumping overboard. Yeah. Am I sick of Jalen Brown turning the ball over? 100%. Yeah. Am I sick of Jason Tatum going invisible in the fourth quarter? Yep, 100%. Was it brutal to watch 10 missed free throws in game five? Yep. Was it absolutely infuriating to watch them waste a dud of a performance by Steph Curry? Uh-huh. But here I am, riding it out. I've got the plus 2,500 future. I still believe that I'm taking the Celtics money line at plus 310. I do think they win uh, on Thursday night. So if that's the case... No sense in paying the negative money or they're paying the juice to get that because I think they're capable of what they've already won in Golden State once. They've been a team that's it's won games on the road all postseason long, including a game seven in Miami in the Eastern Conference Finals. So yeah, I do think they can win both games. I do think they're the better team. I expect them to figure out. Actually, I don't know if I expect them to figure out, but I hope they do. I'm going down with the ship regardless. Celtic Series price at plus 310. They're going to win game six. They're going to have a shot to win game seven on Sunday. We're going to be celebrating. If they win, my producer, Cole Henderson, huge Celtics fan. Really a, a beautiful sports month for him as he's an Avs fan as well. Um, so between the Avs and the Celtics, he's been enjoying himself. We're bringing champagne. We're drinking mimosas on Monday morning if the Celtics win these two games. It's happening. Mark it here. That's going to do it for us on this episode of Bet to Win. Really appreciate Cam Rogers for joining the show once again. Appreciated his insights into uh, all things golf, not just the U.S. Open, but the state of the, the game and where things are headed. We will see you on Monday with champagne in hand to celebrate a Celtics NBA Finals Championship. We'll see you on the other side right here on Bet to Win. <laughs> 